Thank you for listening to Ivy Podcast, where we feature weekly leadership conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Now, here is your host, John Karsibayev. My name is Scotty Williams. I work at Peak Activity. I am uh, the head of talent and recruitment uh, in the company. Um, I have a partner that I work with, but I oversee all of our external needs with our clients and oversee um, a little bit of the internal recruitment as well. Awesome. Scotty, thanks so much for making time to join us on the Ivy Podcast today. Uh, Before we get into all of the great things we want to discuss today's episode, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your backgrounds, maybe high-level career timeline, so to say? For sure. So, um, interesting background. I um, I went to the University of North Florida. I was a swimmer, Division One. Swam all four years, and I uh, went to school to be a first-grade teacher, actually. And then I taught for one year. And politics got to me. Um, you know, it really wasn't for me. I love ch- I love children. I love doing it for the children, but was the bulletin boards and the standards. It was just too much for me. Um, and with my swimming background, I actually started teaching swim lessons. And through teaching swim lessons, I learned that I'm actually really good at sales. And I was a very good salesperson. I had a pitch. People would work with me. I had over 30 clients over a couple of summers. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to move to New York City and I'm going to pursue sales because that's normal, right? That's what everybody does. And uh, so when I went there, I actually... Um, started working for a gym doing gym sales and that was you know interesting and fun but I knew that wasn't my career in life and I I had started looking on Craigslist for job searches and I actually came across a job uh, posting for creative circle and in that um, I had no idea what I was getting myself into and creative circle is a creative talent agency Um, and I worked I ended up getting the job and I told them I was like I don't know anything about recruiting I don't know anything about recruitment Um, I don't know anything about marketing or anything about creative anything. And I was like, so I'm a blank slate. And so I started working there. I worked there for three years um, on the sales side. So I was doing, you know, cold calling clients, but I really learned the full scale of recruitment, you know, and getting in jobs and recruiting and what that meant and filling jobs. It was a really awesome time of my life. And that was where I started my career. And um, from there, I ended up moving to Philly. And when I moved to Philly, I decided not to move to Creative Circle. Um, you know, I through that, I learned that, you know, people were working with me because they were, it's me, and not because I was with a with an agency. And I knew how much money I was bringing in for the company. So I decided to go out on my own. Um, and I, and Creative Circle, they do a lot of, uh, um, they do a lot of the, contractors, contract to to perm. And I really enjoyed the permanent placement. And so I opened my own company. Um, I found a partner to work with and he was working on getting sales in and bringing in jobs to me. And then I would build them. And um, I worked with him for two years. And then after that, I completely went out on my own and I was a one person shop. Um, I got jobs in myself and I filled them myself all through using just LinkedIn and um, kind of built my business from there. I worked and I did that for about another five years after that. 
Um, and then that was, I moved to Boston. I got to work out of Boston. I got to work out of um, Philadelphia. I moved to Atlantic City for a little bit. So I really got to move around and work in different markets, learn about different places. Um, and then finally I moved back to Florida in West Palm Beach. And um, my, I'm actually somewhat related to our CEO. My brother-in-law is his brother and we've known each other for over 30 years. Um, so me and Manish actually connected and um, I was actually working with Scott Townsend. He helped me get into peak activity and then through peak activity, um, what's great about working there is that your job always is evolving to what you want it to be. So I've really got a chance to be able to build throughout the company and I've been with the company now for almost two years and I do their recruitment. So that's, I know it was kind of long, but that's my whole background. And that's how I ended up with peak activity. <laughs> uh, that's super cool. Wow. What a diverse background. Yeah, it's interesting. But, yeah, but I'm pretty sure a lot of kind of the things that you've learned along the way, they, you know, the complementary in the sense, whether that's teaching, that's coaching, you know, the sales aspect, recruiting and staffing, because at the end of the day, it's, you know, I'm sure in your current role and for, you know, for Manish, when we've also hosted on the podcast, surrounding yourself with a players with the best people is always you know the top priority whether you actively recruiting or not so i'm pretty sure kind of the role that you play and the part of the organization is invaluable from that perspective yeah um and as far as the current role within peak activity can you tell us a little bit more about that what falls under your purview your responsibilities yeah so so peak activity in general were technology services. So we can do anything from social media, social commerce, marketing, analytics, A and B testing, custom level software development. And then we also have our own e-commerce platform that we've built ourselves, which is Rev Commerce. We are in a very exciting place, but what I do is actually completely different. So I run the talent division. And so when any of our clients come to us and say um, they might not have a project-based need or they might not need a custom level you know, software or something, but they just need a person or they need a, a team and they don't have time to outsource for that. That's where I come in. I talk to the client, I find out what they need and then I work with my team to fill the needs. Um, I actually still do the recruiting myself and then I have a recruitment coordinator that helps me you know, fill in jobs as is too. So um, you know, I'm still doing the same thing I used to do but it's just on a much higher level, you know, building a team is something that's so exciting and so fun for me because you actually, you know, you're building a, a national team that works together. And then that team is going out and working as a peak activity team on site. So that is where I come in handy. And then also I work with our internal team um, on the HR side. And if I have talked to a candidate that's really good, then, um, you know, and I don't have anything for that candidate, we get to use them internally. So we really work together um, on internal and what we call internal and external recruitment. Uh -huh. Well, that's pretty interesting setup uh, in the sense that you do almost you know, I don't want to say non-traditional type of staffing, but it's also for, I guess, for the different segment of the customers that you guys serve as an organization. So that's, that's a unique setup. Um, so you've been in staffing industry talent acquisition for quite some time. Now you had your own business and now you're part of this larger organization. Um, share with us what insights, ideas, and trends that really excite you these days from that, from your industry perspective, what are you researching? What are you very excited about? What do you think is the next big, big thing? So I, 
have been staffing for 12 years and everything has changed so much. And I think my favorite thing about staffing is that, you know, we can wake up one morning and our world can be turned upside down completely. And we all learned this last year with COVID. Um, You know, we were last year before COVID, it was very much a candidate driven market. No one was really looking, you know, it it was, you know, I mean, a job market, you know, like there was lots of jobs open. Candidates weren't really moving very much. I would say that there wasn't very much movement and I was really having to headhunt to fill jobs. Um, And then, you know, we were all turned upside down when COVID happened, people got laid off. We had so many good candidates come out of that, which it was unfortunate for them that they got laid off, but it was fortunate in a talent and a staffing world because we got to talk to so many good candidates. And at the same time, it's like they were flexible on price. I mean, prices came down a little bit when it came to talking to candidates because they were more flexible because they needed work. And I think that is my my favorite thing. It's just never knowing what I'm coming into, having to evolve, having to decide what what route are we going to do. I mean, we went from having to headhunt almost every job to being able to post a job and get millions of applicants and having to, you know, manage that and talk to all of those people. So, you know, using those tools, finding tools to work in this ever changing market is, is I think just being able to wake up and and be like, okay, I have to go with the flow today because who knows what's going to happen. The stock market could crash and people could lose jobs or, you know, next thing we know, no one's interested in leaving a job because people right now are happy in their jobs. So it's just always changing. <laughs> right, right, right. No, that's very interesting. And, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's very relatable at many levels in terms of especially the last couple of years, how the industry, how everything had shifted to a totally different dynamic, which brings me to the, the other question I wanted to ask you. What, what is your view into kind of that future of work? Uh, I'm pretty, you know, a lot of organizations are dealing with that differently. There's different setups. There's different, um, you know, structures that companies, uh, you know, taking place in terms of whether that hybrid model will continue with the fully remote. What, what's your vision into that? What do you, what do you, what do you predict? What, or at least, what do you hope that would look like? I hope that it opens our job market almost completely. I mean, just to speak activity, our job market. And I mean, our, our candidate market has opened extremely, it's just, it's so big now because we can hire someone in California as long as they're willing to work on our time zone and during our time, but we also have clients in California. So, you know, it's just, it's really opened the market. And I hope that the new normal allows people to still work remotely. I know that people are going back, but it just, it gave the people that are in some little town in, in Michigan in you know, able to work for a company in New York City, which was never going to happen. And, you know, for us to get candidates in New York City that were never going to move to Florida, although they all are moving to Florida now. So, um, but um, I think our new normal is we have no idea what that's going to be. Um, and I talk about this with candidates all the time, you know, a candidate that I find for a job for my, for my client, Bethesda, Maryland, you know, I can't guarantee that if they live in California, that they're going to be guaranteed a job when they go back into the office. And that's scary for them. But also at the same time, I hope that, you know, the candidate can go in there and that they can do a great job and they can show that they can work remotely and they can make it work. So 
I hope our new normal stays the way that this is because I think it's allowed us as humans to show that we can do this on our own. We can do this at home. It makes us a little bit more flexible. It makes it, I think, a happier workplace for everybody if you get the option to decide. Right, right. No, that's very interesting. And you've mentioned something as an opportunity for companies to get access to a much greater pool of candidates. But on the other spectrum, that also increases the competition of, you know, other organizations with, you know, a lot, a lot, you know, more flexible terms or a lot bigger, you know, benefit packages or, you know, a greater brand as an organization. How do you think, you know, that will play out in terms of smaller organizations competing for that same type of talent, but with companies that, you know, have, have a lot more to offer? What's your, what's your take on that? So, you know, in these times, um, I think the only thing that can make candidates come to a company is culture, work environment, and compensation. Now, you know, being in a a company that is smaller, compensation is always, you know, I can't compete with the Googles. I can't compete with the Facebooks. But what I can compete with is I don't put people through seven interviews. I put them through one to two. And I make a decision and we make an offer very quickly. So, you know, it's, it's, we know what we want, what we want. We know how to, to identify talent. We will move quickly for the right person. And that's how we can stay competitive. But the thing that we, that my challenge is, is that even though we give a candidate an offer, it's one of those things that might happen where they, you know, have to continue interviewing somewhere else and then they come back and it just happened to me the other day I had a candidate that was supposed to start and the day before he started he got an offer that was more money sign-on bonus and you know those are it's just you know that's the hardest part it's definitely the number one challenge is staying competitive in the marketplace and learning how to stay competitive in the marketplace and for us we are 100 we are okay with people working remotely mm-hmm. and then a big thing that we do too is that we actually hire internationally as well since we're remote we can actually work with people in Argentina and in India and Colombia. We use outside resources because they want to work for companies like ours too. And we want to give them that opportunity. So, um, so it's another way that we can stay competitive and get talent that others aren't getting. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up with very creative ways to do that. I think that's key to stay ahead. You stay, you know, very competitive. And it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of that. That's great. Um, when it comes to current state of talent market, uh, whether that's in South Florida for us or just, you know, in general, in overall, um, wh- what's, wh- what's your perspective on that? Wh- what does the current market look like? What are some of the challenges that you've seen along with what you already spoken about in terms of that particular competition? Yeah, in South Florida, our market, it's, um, it's, it's changed in the past year. I mean, we've gone through COVID. It's been about a year now. Um, at this time last year, I was talking to at least probably 10 candidates a day. And we are not getting those candidates anymore. Those candidates have now found a position. They are happy. And the biggest thing with those candidates is that they're not looking to move right now because they've either just took jobs or, you know, a lot of people took time off work in which I completely understand. But now they're also the people that are also looking to get back into the job field now, you know, they have taken that year and kind of reevaluate what they want to do. And now they are coming back. So it's like, we're almost seeing a second wave of people that are coming back into the marketplace, but our, our market in South Florida is 100% changing. 
you know, we are not finding as good qualified candidates um, as we were seeing a year ago. We're actually going back to more of that candidate driven market where they are making the decisions, they are driving it and the jobs are just overflowing right now. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, absolutely. I can't, couldn't agree more with you. And with a lot of things that we have going on in South Florida, kind of a lot of the initiatives in terms of building that as, you know, the innovation hub, the tech hub is at least on the East coast, you would hope that that would drive a lot more greater, you know, talent out here. But again, it's such a great competition out there as well. Uh, you know, that work for talent definitely is true. Uh, so when you talk to your candidates, when you interview them or you're pre-screening and you, or just networking in general, share with us any, any of the, questions that really help you assess that particular candidate, you know, from that, from that short conversation. Uh, and what do you look for in some of the responses when you talk to them? So it's, it's very interesting. So since I've, since I've been doing this for, for so long and, and saying, I, I feel like I'm a robot on the phone. I say the same thing every single time I get on the phone with the candidate and um, you know, my, my poor boyfriend that I live with must, I just say the same exact thing every single time. And uh, you record you know, it and just play it. Yeah, pretty much. I can just play it. You know, I get on the phone I say the same thing. It's just, it's that salesperson in me. But um, since I have been doing this for so long, um, I can almost get a sense of who that person is. And I know this sounds crazy. I can get a sense of who a person is in the first five to 10 minutes that they are talking about how they talk about themselves, how they talk about their job, how they even talk about themselves, you know, um, what their attitude is like and call me old school, but I still use the phone. I don't, I don't even do video calls to begin with. I feel like it's, it's a bit intrusive to ask for a video call the second that you're getting a, the first intro with the company, with the person. And I don't want them to be nervous. Like I just want to be, even though I am asking them about their skills and I, I say this to everybody, I am not an expert. I'm not a subject matter expert. I can intake any information that they give to me. Obviously I've learned a lot through my career and I'm still learning every single day, but I do not know how to be a developer. I don't know how to be a designer, but I know the skills that I look for. And so in talking to them and their skills, I learn a lot, but I learn a lot about the way that they, they talk about themselves. And um, I know this also, I don't love it when candidates, when I say, take a second to talk about yourself, take five minutes, and then they talk about themselves for 30. Um, that's, that's a big red flag for me because, you know, everybody has an elevator speech and especially if you've been interviewing before now it becomes conversational and I'm really into it and I'm asking them questions that's different. Um, but when someone just doesn't catch my attention, that's to me, um, that's one of the biggest things. So in giving advice, I would say everybody needs to have their background in 10 minutes or less, or you will lose the recruiter's attention because we have a million things going on. We're there to get the information in so that we can get it to the right person. We're not there to evaluate skills. We're there to talk about skills and learn about the person. And so we can talk about the culture. Got it. Great recommendations. And last but not least, Scotty, share with us your content diet. Uh, what do you consume on a daily basis? What are your sources for learning? Share with us any, any valuable, uh, you know, links or resources or even the Twitter accounts that you follow. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I will say that uh, 
in my, in my later years in life, I have, I have got away from, from reading books and, um, I wish I would love to get back into it, but that's just me being honest. Uh, but that being said, um, I use pretty much all of the, the social media avenues that I can to get any kind of information. And sometimes that shields me from things. And sometimes it opens my eyes to things that I've never known before. Um, I think one of the biggest things, especially when it comes to business is going on LinkedIn and looking at all of the articles that people are posting about their businesses and the projects that they're working on. And that's a big one, especially when it comes to business. And then, you know, even finding things that like you've never even learned, like the crypto market is crazy and it's really fun to learn about it. And, you know, they're bringing a tech hub to South Florida too. And that's very exciting for, for companies and development and everything. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that can be found on the social media boards that aren't Instagram and aren't Facebook those aren't where I'm going it's where I'm going to get like my pop culture but not my business culture by any means so um that's a big one for me and just following you know Google News is a big one New York Times is 100% something I pay for and I love it and um something it's like the first thing I check every day <laughs> no that's awesome <laughs> uh, yeah thanks for sharing that and I can relate because you can be very selective uh, with that information overload and social media really does allow you that platform to be able to be very surgical in terms of what do you follow, what types of topics that you read about. So that's very exciting. I do have, I do have a book that I also am very passionate about that is also relevant to, to what I do, what everybody does. And uh -huh. most people have read it, but most, some haven't, especially maybe even the younger people listening on this is just the, the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. It's one of my favorites. And for someone who was a division one athlete and someone who, you know, really stuck it out all four years, you know, and doing it since I was six years old, you know, the 10,000 hour rule is just something that I live by in my entire life. And, you know, and I think it relates to recruiting because I talk to these candidates and they come in and they've been at their job for two years. And then they, they want to switch from being a developer to being a product owner, but they haven't mastered their craft and they're not putting in the time and they're just giving up. And my, my biggest thing is I don't want people to give up on what they do. I've wanted to give up on recruiting so many times, but I've really stuck it out. And I'm now going into my 13th or 14th year of recruiting, which is crazy. And, you know, I, I feel like I can do it in my sleep, but at the same time, I learn something new every day. So that's my yeah. book recommendation. That's a great recommendation. <laughs> I, you know, couldn't agree more with you. One of my favorites as well. And, uh, um, you know, Scott, I definitely appreciate your time today. Very powerful conversation, short, but very insightful. Uh, I'm, you know, my seven-year-old is taking some swimming lessons, so I'm going to take you up on, on <laughs> your experience and maybe share some videos with you and see what recommendations you have. Uh, I have a great him. one. I have my sister actually still does some lessons. If you need one, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. So yeah, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It was so nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Ivy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our RSS feed on ivypodcast.com and all major podcasting platforms like Spotify and iTunes. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating on iTunes.